If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. He's got it! Touchdown, Jack Doyle! And he's going to be brought down inside the 15, and it's going to go to DeForest Buckner. Huge hole! He's at the 30! He's going to go! 10-5! Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor! From the Power Home Solar Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Colts official podcast. We are presented by our friends at WinBet, proud sportsbook partner of your Indianapolis Colts. My name is Jeffrey Gorman. Lara Overton, week in and week out. She's here, thank goodness. J.J. Stankovic, Colts.com senior writer. Guys, I kind of want to, oh boy, where do I start with this? I kind of want to... I want to wash this one. I want to wash what happened at Lucas Oil Stadium to finish the season four and five at home. I want to wash that off of our bodies, off our minds, off of all that. And because we need to get to a place of that one is just thrown out in in the alleyway. It's thrown out in the garbage, meaning we need to take care of business against these Jaguars. Obviously, it didn't happen against the Raiders. And then you get into that hopeful playoff mode. And we all know what that is. It's like anything can happen. Who's the hottest team for four weeks or a month? And that's your Super Bowl champion. But we do need to touch down on the Raiders a little bit. Touch back on it, rather. And, uh, and Larry, I'm going to start with you. Uh, we heard Frank Reich say, I mean, one of the first words out of his mouth at the press conference immediately after the game was, so disappointing. Disappointing and, uh, you know, just taking the wind out of the sails. Uh, how does this affect this team? Because of the up and downs, because of the speed bumps, because of COVID, because of uh, you know uh, the things that have happened. How does that home loss affect this team, knowing that they have to put on a performance against Jacksonville on the road in order to make those playoffs? I think it gives them a ton of motivation, as it should. This is the team that has been typically this season kind of played at its best in the situations when you've had backs against the wall. And I'm not overreacting to the Raiders' loss. Was Mm -hmm. it bad? Yes. The performances, I mean, primarily across the board, I mean, defensively, I think that was your highlight. But special teams, you were off all day. There was no offensive rhythm. That was something I talked with, you know, T.Y. and J.T. both about was just what was so challenging about getting into an offensive rhythm. And I do think that a lot of that had to do with, you know, you were in that – odd post-holiday period you weren't in the building the schedule was a bit different because you had a a a full week you had an eight-day stretch coming off of the Christmas night game before you played a Sunday game I almost feel like it was like a little bit of too much time after those back-to-back Saturday games like I think everyone was just totally out of routine but I'm not overreacting because it kind of reminded me you guys 2018 Mm. do you remember when this team went down and got embarrassed in Jacksonville and lost six to nothing. Yes. And that was a playoff team. I mean, this is a team that was kind of in a similar situation. Hey, who wants to play the Indianapolis Colts right now? One of the hottest teams in football, this and that. And then you just go and have an absolute stinker of a game in early December at Jacksonville. Like, to me, it, and this is something I talked with Frank about last week was when you had to get, had to get so high up. For that Patriots game, you can't say it was just another game because it wasn't. You had to get so high for that one. And man, then you had to ramp it right back up the following week to play Arizona when you were so depleted. You know, you thought that Grover Stewart was going to have to play at left tackle at one point, see if he could, you know, go old school and play both ways. I mean, the guys who were out that game, no Darius Leonard, I mean, all across the board, then you lose Fisher and all of that. This team was rising behind that. So they got in this huge emotional high for that. 
it was almost impossible, not impossible, but almost to think you were going to go that same level four straight weeks to close out the regular season and then do it all over in the the postseason when you get into the playoffs. So to me, I almost feel like if there were a point when this team was going to have an off week and it was almost inevitable among those four, you weren't going to be, you were not going to be at your best in all four games. If it happens there, that's okay because go in, get it figured out. To me, it was great. This team got exposed. If they're a team that's going to win in the postseason, they needed to be exposed. They needed to figure out, you know, I don't think that they were unaware or ignorant to any of their weaknesses, but hey, good that you got it a little bit exploited and now you really have some motivation to lock yourself down for this week coming up and then you know exactly what it's going to take to get it done because you see the tape that everyone else is going to see from that Raiders game and what they were able to do and now you prepare for exactly that moving forward and there's my rant well, so i love it well <laughs> done lara way Sorry, to start guys, us off really good, good luck for. jj <laughs> so i i want to back up what lara said here though is like the the colts this year have played when, when lara you said they've played really well with their backs against the wall so they, they start the season zero and three going into week four against miami that's a 27 17 win after losing at baltimore in that gutting loss they then go and beat the Texans 31-3. to After losing to the Titans in Week 8 in overtime, another gutting loss, they go and beat the Jets 45-30, to a game that really that, that score is not indicative of how close it was. Then, after losing to the Buccaneers 38-31 in Week 12, they go out and shut out the Texans in Week 13. So I asked Jonathan Taylor after the game, what has allowed this team to bounce back from those losses? And he said that it's because they're able to stick to their process, that there's so much confidence in how they go about working during the week and practicing, training, watching film, all that, that they don't deviate from what their plan is, from what the process is after one loss. And that, because they're not changing things up, that helps them now going into a do-or-die game against the Jaguars because they're not, all right, yeah, we, we, we didn't play our best football, you know. Frank Reichs even said uh, on Monday that the week of practice leading up to the Raiders game wasn't our best week of practice. It was it was okay. It wasn't our best week of practice. And they now know, all right, here's what we have to fall back on. Here's what we can fix these things. And Lara, I think you made a really good point there that when you have a, a clunker like this, it's a lot easier to make those corrections mm-hmm. because everyone is is motivated. There, there's You've been humbled a bit, yeah. Fuel and edge, right? And like you know, Naheem Hines said yesterday, like we we're gonna go watch the film, and it's not gonna be pretty, but we're gonna go do it. And I think that that little boost will give you know some extra edge to this team this week. But I wanted to end by asking you guys because I wasn't here last year. What was the mood like after? Last year's second-to-last game of the season, the the game that the Colts blew against the Steelers, which then set up another win-and-in game against the Jaguars, what was the mood like after that game compared to what we're starting to feel now this week? I'm going to start by saying it's really hard to say because at that point, we had such limited access to any... I mean, we weren't in the building at all. I mean, there's a very limited in the building even right now, but at least to this point, you know, we were on the field this week. Uh, you know, we, we've been around, we've been able to watch practices all the way up until, you know, last week when things were really locked down. I had absolutely, to me, 
I had no sense of last year, really. I mean, it was so limited on, I mean, similar situation with the Zoom calls and stuff. But, you know, I didn't know Philip Rivers like I've gotten to know Carson Wentz. And I am not saying that I have really, you know, been able to forge a great relationship. That's still been, you know, we've kind of been at a distance in a lot of situations. But I do still have a better sense of being around Carson and and other guys within this roster. You know, when it was, and not to say it's all about the quarterback, but so much of that Steelers game was, Mm -hmm. and so much of this last game Was. was about the quarterback. So in both situations, I feel similarities. And truly, JJ, like, not to... Like, blow off the question, but I, I had no idea really because it was so hard to read Philip because we had no experience interacting with him in person. I mean, the only times I watched practice last year, I was on the roof of the building. I wasn't even allowed on the field. Whereas this year, been able to go out to practice, been able to be on the field, uh, you know, being able to have more interaction, all of those things, been back on the field on game days, been able to stand behind the bench, watch guys in those really frustrating, you know, when they would go three and out. What was Carson's Demeter coming off the bench? When the defense would make a big play, what was the reaction of the offensive guys? Different scenarios like that. I don't I don't know. I would say I don't think it's a, a whole lot different, um, maybe, but it was really hard last year. I had a much mm-hmm. less sense then of how this team would respond. I'll say this. I am much more confident in this team's ability to respond than I am last season purely because I just didn't have a good pulse on last year's team whatsoever. And, you know, there were some huge wins in that 2020 season. I think about that Packers win at home, kind of highlighting it. This team, to me, has been so much more complete that I have a greater sense of how they will respond um, than I did the 2020 situation, if that makes sense. It is, because the, 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 for me, it's the Jonathan Taylor effect, J.J. Mm-hmm. It's the Jonathan Taylor effect. We did see mm-hmm. the glimpses last year, and yeah, I mean, he's tough to, very tough last year, and a great rookie year out of him, but this year it's a little bit different, obviously with a different quarterback, but going into that Buffalo game, you said, hey, roll it, let's go. Phil knows what he's doing in the playoffs. He knows what he's doing getting victories on the road in the playoffs. I feel pretty good. Now it's just a little bit different. You're with Carson Wentz, you're saying, hey, you know, we're going to need this guy to win one of these games coming up. We are. We're going to need the quarterback in it, but we're also going to need that dominant rushing game and that dominant offensive line play. And that's where I differ from last year. That offensive line was still dominant, don't get me wrong, but something different about this year. I don't care if we go to KC, if we beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't care if we go up to New England. I don't care if we go to Cincinnati. This team, in my opinion, didn't show it against the Raiders, obviously, but they can put it together. We saw that against the Buffaloes. We saw that against the New England Patriots. This team does have what it takes. So that's my excitement level. Obviously, every year with the playoffs on the horizon, knock on wood. But I like this team. More complete, I heard you say, Larry, and I like that. I also say that, you know, that Steelers game, if you can jog my memory, but wasn't that when we lost Anthony Costanzo, or was it just prior to that? You had a situation where it was like, you know, this revolving door. You had this turnstile of offensive line at that point. There were a ton of injury situations. This team also, from what I recall from last year, significantly healthier. And also that offensive line depth is another aspect Mm -hmm. that makes me a lot more confident, even though there were obviously kind of some challenges uh, in this game last week against the Raiders. You saw some uncharacteristic penalties on that offensive line. And of course, you had um, 
Pryor in for Eric Fisher in that situation. Hopeful as we go into Wednesday, maybe you can see Eric Fisher starting to trend back in the right direction. Give Jack Doyle another week to get healthy. Maybe Sendejo is finally able to come back from that concussion as well. I do think overall it was a healthier, it is a healthier team now than what you had in 2020. Hey, J- JJ, this uh, this game to you, um, you know, 50 to 10. That's what happened last week with this Jaguars team. Um, I, I'm thinking playoffs, and I'm, this may come back and be recorded and thrown up on social media a week from now, but I am planning on this team being in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're thinking anything else going into a game against the Jaguars, I know the Colts haven't won against the Jaguars away from Indianapolis since 2014, but... Look, if you can't beat the Jaguars in week 18, Oof. you know, yes, there's a path to the Colts making the playoffs if they if they don't win on Sunday. But, you know, do you really feel like you belong in the playoffs? I mean, the, this is a Jaguars team that's that's won two games this year and they haven't won when they take the field on Sunday. They, they will not have won in about two months. And. You know, these guys, this is a team, I talked about this with Bill Brooks on the Colts Instant Reaction Pod we do after games. They're, these players are still going to play hard. There's no, you know, thinking about how we're going to get the number one overall pick or anything like that. This is a team that's going to, you know, th- these guys want to show themselves and, you know, put put good things on tape. But if the Colts play their best, there's no way the Jaguars can beat them. That, that's just the, the talent disparity on these two teams. The, the coaching disparity is just too great. So let's be real here. If the Colts play a good game, they're going to be in the playoffs. Right. So and, and I think like we were talking about here, Jeffrey, I think we all expect the Colts to play a good game on Sunday. I'm looking to also like the way that this team has responded in situations like I am not equating the Raiders to the Buccaneers. So don't take it that way. But you look at that devastating loss kind of in a similar situation, like at home where the Colts came out a bit flat. They had an opportunity to, you know, close out that game. You had opportunities late against Tampa Bay. You weren't able to capitalize on similar situation a bit in that you had late game situations. You needed to capitalize, couldn't get it done against the Raiders. And then look at how they responded from the Tampa game and went and played down at Houston, had the shutout of the Texans. To me, I think that this is kind of a similar dynamic that you could get in this situation, drawing a lot of motivation from that loss to the Raiders, seeing what they needed to correct and coming in, you know, absolutely motivated to make a point going into the playoffs, uh, securing that spot, going in on a really, you know, high note, gaining a lot of confidence in that situation, being ready to go into middle of January. I love it. We did it, guys. We did it. We didn't evaluate and and critique and fine-tooth comb the Raiders' loss. We looked on towards the playoffs. That's exactly what I wanted to do today because we're washing ourselves, throwing that loss out in the alley. Take care of business down in Jacksonville. The same cannot be said down in Jacksonville, okay, because they are a bit of a mess right now with who's going to lead this team. We do know who the quarterback of the future is, but after that, it gets a little hazy. So let's find out about the Jaguars and, of course, the last game of this NFL season, Colts traveling down to Jacksonville. We say hello to Ashlyn Sullivan, who's a TV host and TV reporter and does everything on the website as well for the Jaguars. Ashlyn, it's, 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 we talked to you earlier in the year 
there. There was a lot of hope. There was a lot of promise. There were some speed bumps in there. And then New England takes you out 50-10 to 10 last week, and we're kind of looking towards the end of the season. Who's going to be the next head coach? What about Trevor Lawrence? Are you kind of relieved there in Jacksonville to kind of say, okay, we're going to slow the train down a little bit and put our pieces all out and see what we got and get ready for next season? Oh my gosh, very much so. When I say the Jaguars are limping to the finish line, that is an understatement. I mean, I've been through some some crazy years here in Jacksonville and nothing has been like this. And the craziest part of it is we mentioned the hope in the beginning of the season. It, It wasn't supposed to go like this. No one expected it to go like this. So this has been a really long year for the Jaguars. They have this one game left against the Colts and a really depleted roster right now. They're still dealing with COVID struggles in the building. So yeah, everyone's just trying to get through this week and get to next season. Well, Ashlyn, the thing is, no matter the record of Jacksonville, they have tended to give the best of the Indianapolis Colts in these matchups. In particular, those that happen in Jacksonville. The Colts have not won oh, on the road in Jacksonville geez. since 2014. Isn't it hard to believe, Lara? It, it is so crazy to believe. It, it, does. Is, it doesn't seem true, to be honest. It has yeah. just become this very difficult place. It's like the Achilles heel of the AFC South for the Indianapolis Colts. Is it the fact that the Jags get so up for this game? Is is there something you guys put in the water down there? Is it that your fans are all apparently going to dress up like clowns to come into this Week 18 oh game God. as we're reading online? What has made it so difficult for the Colts to get it done? Because now their back's against the wall. They have to win to get in on Sunday, essentially. Right. I give them credit. I give the Jaguars credit. I mean, even with all of this going on, they have still have a ton of respect for interim head coach Daryl Bevel, and, and they've played hard. I mean, this roster right now is not competitive when you watch the game last week against the Patriots. It's just a totally different roster. So I still expect them to play hard, and you mentioned it, that division opponent. They know the Colts really well. They play them really hard in Jacksonville. So by no means do I think this is a result of what we saw last week in New England. I don't expect the Jaguars to win because I can't pick them to win a game right now with the way they've been playing. But yeah, history tells weirder things have happened and I wouldn't be surprised if they play really hard knowing this is the last game for this team. There's going to be a lot of turnover for the Jaguars this season. So why not go out with one more chance because gosh knows what's going to happen next season. Ashlyn, kind of piggybacking off that because there's this thought of like, all right, should the Jaguars tank and not try to win this game because of a loss locks up the number one overall pick. But you know those players, and I can't imagine anyone's actually thinking that because, like you said, this is the last time they're all going to be together. For a lot of guys on this roster, it could be the last chance they ever get in the NFL. I don't think anyone's going into that game thinking, hey, you know what's going to be great is when we get, you know, KV on Thibodeau next year with the number one overall pick, right? (laughs) Exactly. And it was a little different last year. I mean, it was really strange last year at this point of the season when the Jaguars and the Jets were neck and neck for the number one pick. That was one of the strangest weeks I've ever covered in the NFL because you were kind of almost sorting rooting for the Jaguars to lose because you saw Trevor Lawrence in the limelight and you thought, okay, the Jaguars can get this. It's really different now when you don't have that quarterback that you're trying to get. It's not near as important. And you look at this roster right now, you mentioned a lot of guys right now that are on practice squads that got elevated. This might be their last chance. And what's really interesting, we haven't talked a lot about it, but with this new rule that the Jaguars are interviewing coaches right now 
two weeks. Um, they were able to start interviewing two weeks before the season ended. It's kind of weird to think that the Jaguars' next head coach is watching this game thinking, I could be the guy. So if I'm a Jaguars player, I want to put on my best ball knowing that I have a chance to be on the Jaguars roster again next season. It's in their best interest to play as hard as they can because that's a really weird dynamic thinking your next head coach is most likely watching you right now. And and just to follow up on Trevor Lawrence, you know, mentioning him, I, it's like when he played in, in Indianapolis in week 10, I was sort of like, I can see it. Like, he, he protects himself mm-hmm. really well. He throws a really good ball. But he's only thrown more than one touchdown in one game this year, and that was in week one. How is he handled probably more losing than he's ever experienced in his entire life this season? Oh, yeah, this is the most he's ever lost in his entire life. He has never lost a back-to-back game before coming to the NFL. But, man, I give him credit. He is as professional as they come. He has not changed. We're at the point at this point of the season, I can't even judge Trevor Lawrence's play anymore. When I look at the roster and, and I look at what he's throwing to, for example, last week the Jaguars only had three offensive linemen active on Thursday. They had to sign two offensive linemen to play on Sunday against the Patriots because of COVID. You just you can't even judge his play. We're at the point where we're just trying to get through the season. You see those glimpses, right? You mentioned it. You see those throws. For example, last week, the big first out of Laquan Treble, and you're like, all right, he's got it. I know he can do it, but the consistency is a huge issue. The interception ratio is a huge issue, but I don't blame him. He's at the point right now where he's just trying to make something happen. If that means he has to take a chance downfield and it might be interception, credit to him because he's not worried about his interception ratio. He's not worried about him. He's just trying to make something work. So it's at the point where we just have to get to the offseason with him and, and rejudge it because right now you're at the point where you can't even judge what you're seeing on the field with him right now. If you're a football fan, follow her on Twitter, Ashlyn R. Sullivan. She's on the beat for the Jaguars, TV host and reporter as well, covering this team, and there's going to be a lot of offseason for you covering it. So I want to go back to something Lara said earlier. I don't know what the fan base is doing down in Jacksonville, but I need a little help. Shad Khan went out and got the hottest <laughs> coach that everybody wanted earlier last year, and and everything was fine. Well, we saw what happened. He shot himself in the foot as far as uh, as far as the head coach goes with Urban Meyer. But why are fans turning on the owner? He did what he had to do. He's spending money there. And now, is there something about it? some clown outfits, Lara, that you're talking about? Is yeah. the last game of the season? It's like, not with this guy. I mean, just a few months ago, he said, hey, I'm here to win, and I'm going to show you how. Yeah, it's a really weird thing going on. So the reason fans are so upset right now and the reason we are going to be seeing clown costumes in Jacksonville on Sunday is there was a report that came out from NFL Network that the Jaguars are planning on keeping general manager Trent Baalke. Fans are incredibly upset by that because in their minds, they want a complete fresh start. They Mm. want a complete overhaul of the building, which I totally understand with the way this season has gone. That, That almost seems like the only option, right? Just get rid of anything that has any connection to Urban Meyer. But Shad Khan has made it clear that he feels like there needs to be some sense of stability in this building. I think fans don't, don't not necessarily understand, but they don't think about the general manager day-to-day, the video equipment, the training staff, the football operations staff. There's so much day-to-day that reports to a general manager. I think you need that sense of stability. Trent Baalke has a lot of experience in the NFL. I think there's so much newness right now with the Jaguars. There's so much change. 
keeping that stability really important right now. But I understand where fans are coming from. They just want everything gone that has anything to do with Urban Meyer. And you can't blame them. So, yes, that's where the clown costume has originated. <laughs> mm. Well, you mentioned kind of the, how decimated the roster was due to the COVID situation. What is the likelihood of who you will have back and who will the Jags definitively be missing on Sunday going into this matchup? Because I think without Josh Allen right last week, who has, has tended to, to ravage opposing offenses, so a couple of pivotal people to be watching this week. Yeah, but the biggest thing, and it hasn't even had anything to do with COVID, the biggest thing that the Jaguars are missing, and it's hurting them really badly right now, is James Robinson, their starting running back, going on injured reserve. That was the one thing the Jaguars could count on, is they at least could get somewhat of a running game going with James. And it's been incredibly unfortunate. He's had a lot of drama with head coach Urban Meyer that's been reported, and he's just had a really rough year. For it to end with him tearing his Achilles a couple weeks ago, it stinks. So now there's a ton of questions around the running back room right now with the Jaguars. They drafted Travis Etienne at 25, and he had a Liz Frank injury. We never even saw him on the field. So you have these great pieces, and you have no idea what you're going to get for them. So that's something that the Jaguars are going to have to pay attention to against the Colts is they have this running game that they really depend on, but they don't have the pieces right now to use it. Kind of along those those same lines, we saw. And apologies for my dog barking in the background. <laughs> Who is that? Who is that? Who is that? That's that's Millie, and she's she thinks someone's at the door. Someone's not at the door. Speaking of someone who we're trying to you figure out me. if they're going to be at the door or not, I guess. Um, will Josh Allen play on uh, on on Sunday? Is he someone who the, the Jaguars are expecting to get off the COVID list? Yes, he is. As of right now, it was a little iffy because he. Um, it was reported that he's unvaccinated and all these rules were changing. And, and my gosh, these COVID rules change every single week. So we have no idea what to expect. But as of now, yes, he is expected to play. He is expected to practice this week. And, and that's a guy that the Jaguars really need right now. One for the on-field consistency. But my gosh, you need his presence in the locker room. He's a leader right now, a captain. And everyone knows the Jaguars need some core leadership in the locker room. So we're hoping to get him back this week. Ashley, when you talk about core leadership, I have to think about kind of looking to who will lead this organization moving forward and the next head coach as the Jags, you know, begin to put in the request to interview coordinators or interview. We've heard, you know, names like Doug, Doug Peterson. Peterson and Jim Caldwell, yeah. former head coach of the <laughs> Indianapolis Colts. That's a good hire. Those have been names that have been tossed around. What are what are the characteristics that you need to see in a head coach based on what you have seen, what worked previously, what didn't work previously, and certainly kind of how quickly this Urban Meyer experiment really tanked? Right. You mentioned the experiment, and, and it's so funny. When you when I try to summarize this year and when I try to think about this year, when something goes so poorly and as poorly as the Jaguars season and as poorly as Urban Meyer played out for the Jaguars, you go the complete opposite of now what you want for a head coach. And that's why I think Jim Caldwell and Doug Peterson are so intriguing. And in my mind, the best two candidates, you need consistency. You need calmness. You need a guy that has been there, done that, and has seen every situation play out in the NFL and knows how to handle it. So that's to me, it, it just seems so obvious that those two are the greatest options. And it really helps that this new NFL rule, they're able to interview candidates two weeks before the season ends. So they have already interviewed both of those candidates. I expect a decision to come relatively soon because you need a complete overhaul of this building coaching staff-wise. So 
That seems like the best pick to me. I, I don't expect the flashy coordinator name to work because right now you just you need some consistency and you need a guy that, that's been there before. So that's why it seems pretty obvious it's going to be one of those two guys. I don't like it for us because I don't want to have to go against Jim Caldwell. Yes, I like Jim Caldwell. Right. I don't want to have to play a Jim Caldwell team twice a year. It would be interesting, though, uh, if it were to be Doug Peterson to have Peterson versus Reich within the same division yes. with all the history those two have in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Obviously won a championship together with the Eagles. And I mean, Doug Peterson was at our training camp. He was. He made a guest appearance one day, up in, or two days, up in Westfield. And so. uh, Frank took a walk down the Monon. Did they? Yeah, and that's just an right. yeah, they stroll? caught up down the Monon. Wow. Well, there you go. Look at Colts that's insider J.J. Yeah, that's behind. a stank bomb right there. That is a stank bomb. It's something Frank said. It's not a stank, it's not a stank bomb. Ashlyn, what, one more from me, because I've asked you about Trevor Lawrence and Josh Allen, but what are the other building blocks that the Jaguars can view they have in terms of player talent on this team? Yeah, right now I think the biggest question is the wide receiver room. You you sign Marvin Jones, you have LaVisca Chennault. Unfortunately, DJ Chark left middle of the season with a big-time injury, and, and that's what I'm really curious. I see DJ Chark as a building block, of a player the Jaguars drafted, a great guy that you can build around. I'm really curious to see what happens. This is a contract year for him. Does he see himself as a one? Does he want to go get number one wide receiver money? Or can they come to a compromise and keep him here in Jacksonville? I, I think you need him here in Jacksonville, and I think you need a lot of pieces around Trevor Lawrence. So that's a big question I'm paying attention to is whether they re-sign him. And then someone that's kind of been thrust into the spotlight is cornerback Jason Campbell. He was a draft pick out of Georgia for the Jaguars, and unfortunately a lot of moving around. C.J. Henderson was traded to the Carolina Panthers, so he was just thrust into the spotlight, into the starting lineup really struggled the first couple of weeks. We're at the point where we're thinking, does this guy even able to play in the NFL? All of a sudden, he is leading the team in interceptions, absolutely locking down a side of the field. He has just all of a sudden become a dominant cornerback. So that's really cool to see for him, and and that's a guy hopefully the Jaguars can keep around for many years and and will become a building block. Ashlyn R. Sullivan on Twitter covering the Jags. I got a good idea, Ashlyn. I want to weigh this on you a little bit. What do you think? Let's put... Let's put Trevor Lawrence on the sideline come Sunday. Get him ready for your exciting years ahead. But really, let's just let him sit back and watch how things are going right now. But seriously, how about this staff? What about the equipment guys? What about the trainers in back? This is a second year around a complete overall. I know you're not in the building due to COVID protocols, but you have been this year. Is everybody just kind of walking around on eggshells there that doesn't play on the football team? Yeah, and that's so... You know, you weren't supposed to be here. And I, and I talked about it at the beginning. Like, this was not supposed to happen. You guys know it. That that turmoil and that not knowing, it stinks for the support staff of not knowing of whether you're going to be here or not next year. And, and the Jaguars just went through that. Be right back here again. It stinks. And a lot of guys saw this as kind of a tryout year to prove to Urban Meyer, hey, I belong here and, and I deserve a job here. Now that he's not here, it's really interesting. And, yeah, you hate that. For Jacksonville, you hate that for Jaguars fans, but my gosh, was it absolutely necessary. 
to make a change. So that's why this game's pretty hard to predict this last game because this is the last game all these guys are together and, and they always play hard for that reason. Yeah, it's CJ Beathard time. Let's go. I have a really pressing question <laughs> as we're wrapping this up. I'm asking it on behalf of Millie, partially since uh, <laughs> Millie wanted yeah. Millie wanted to weigh in. <laughs> Made her podcast um, debut. <laughs> I'm I'm hopeful that of all of the things you know, obviously stadiums look a little different. And, you know, we kind of have some different protocols, and there have been aspects of the fan experience that have been eliminated. A lot of those have come back. One thing I'm hoping that is back at your fair stadium is the dog park. Is the dog park back in Jacksonville? Is it open? I have such bad news for you. No No. No. Don't say it. I know. Don't say it. Say it. It was a staple. It was not my idea. I am so against this. So did Urban Meyer take the take the dog park with him? He's like, I'm out of here. I'm taking the dog park. Where? It wasn't his fault, although he has done a lot of things poorly. This, this one could not be linked to him. Florida Georgia came in, and they had to tear it down, and they decided not to put it back up, oh, which is really unfortunate oh, for Tony. everyone. I am writing a letter to Tony and Shad Khan this call afternoon. Todd, or call Shad right now. Yes, Get him on the phone. Jeez. Oh, man. That was that really busy, but he might be able to take your call. So. <laughs> I, mean, I just remember, like, so 2019 was my first trip, and it was, you know, season finale, down there, finally get to meet Ashlyn after months of trading texts and different things. And I'm like sitting in the press box, you know, eating my breakfast, you know, up there. And I just glance over and I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So like for like 45 <laughs> minutes of pregame, just watching the puppies run around up there. It's outstanding. It is it is a really fun experience down there in Jacksonville for sure. So uh, we just always- can't have nice things. <laughs> can't have nice things. Thanks a lot, hey, Florida, Georgia. Animals. Speaking of animals, though, what what death-defying stunt is Jackson DeVille going to do to finish off the season? Gosh, only knows. I know he's rehearsing. What was the most telling thing ever was a couple weeks ago we were playing the Atlanta Falcons at home, and Jackson DeVille got stuck in the air. It was all over Barstool Sports, and it was like, if this is not the most Jaguar thing to happen right now, he was he was truly stuck in the middle of the stadium in the air. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, and end the season. It's time. <laughs> wow. How about that? Ashlyn R. Sullivan on Twitter. By the way, bad news. I just wanted to let, let you know, and I know you're in this industry, so you know. That's a huge line. Fifteen and a half points. Vegas said that the Colts are better than Jacksonville. <laughs> on your home turf as well. Fifteen and a half points. So yeah. we just got to take care of business. You guys do what you do. We're going to do what we do. And we wish you the best of luck next year, but not this week. <laughs> I understand. Thank understand. you, guys. I Thank appreciate you so it. much. Ashlyn Sullivan right there again. Follow her on Twitter, Ashlyn R. Sullivan. Now it's time to surf around the league. we got to bring in an old friend of the show because there's a lot going on there. So, Casey Vallier, I need your ears on because I need a little bit of direction of what's going on in Tampa Bay, what's going on in Washington, how we doing in Seattle. There's Big Ben at Heinz Field. Casey, what's going on in the NFL, my friend? I wish I knew. I mean, the stuff going on in Tampa Bay is ever-flowing. I know we've got that situation going on with Antonio Brown and all the antics on Sunday, but now we're seeing the repercussions of what it means. I mean, right now, 
The Buccaneers haven't officially released him, so therefore he's still a member of the team, even though Bruce Arians said he's no longer a Buck. I think they're going through all the proper channels. They're working with the NFL to kind of figure out probably what the best route is to go with Antonio Brown. But I think part of it, too, is they don't want to release a guy who gets picked up by, let's say, the the Packers or you know some other NFC team or even an AFC team that could make a playoff run and potentially see the Buccaneers because they know the talent that Antonio Brown has. I think that's one of the things that might be weighing but then also like Tom Brady said I think it's an issue that is a little bit more than just football I think this guy might need some help and and maybe that's what they're trying to do is take the proper channels to make sure that this can something that the guy can get some help and you know figure out where he's going from here but I think right now him playing football this season especially with the Buccaneers I think that is over and therefore probably we won't see him if we do until you know the start of next season would be the only time we'd probably see more of Antonio Brown and as for the Washington football team they announced that their new team name and logo is going to be announced on February 2nd so that is definitely a date to watch for for the Washington football team is it the Admirals is it the I, I'm, I'm not seeing that. I want them to just stay the stay Washington football team. Football team. Yeah. I just right, like agreed. it. It's, it's simple, and for once, it's right. something that isn't controversial surrounding that organization. So I think you kind of ride with them, it. I want them to go the European soccer route and be like Washington Football Club, Albion Club. FC. <laughs> Before we go into the, like, the Washington thing really quickly, I just want to like circle back on Antonio Brown. And right now... Football should be the last thing on the minds of everyone regarding Antonio Brown. What you hope for for Antonio Brown is that he is able to resolve the issues that have created this situation for him. There is obviously a lot that he is battling from a mental health perspective, and that is something that is frightening when you see him acting out in the way he has. You know that there are things that he is handling internally that he needs to get help for. So for his well-being, for his mental health, you hope that there is someone who is able to step in and get him to the proper person to really help treat all of what he is dealing with from an internal perspective. There is no doubt that he is an incredibly gifted, talented person. And everyone, his teammates say he's awesome. You know, he's a fantastic teammate. He's a great guy to be around. But internally, he is struggling. And I think we all hope that he is able to resolve those issues and whoever it has to be to step in for him. I hope that they're able to step up and be that person. Person and, yeah. who gets him the proper treatment to get him healthy and, and where he needs to be. And guys, friend of the show, Clyde Christensen, the quarterback coach up there in Tampa, I happened to talk to him on that Sunday night, and he said just couldn't happen in a worse place on the road like that and couldn't figure out people scratching their heads in the, in the locker room and on the sidelines. But at the end of the day, Larry, you nailed it. Everyone's praying and hopeful that this guy can find a little bit of peace and contentment and not have the outbursts like he had. I mean, it's it's a serious thing. We heard what Tom Brady said after the game. Bruce Arians was a little bit cold on him, but at the end of the day, they love the guy. They love the guy over there, and he's part of the family over there. And you're, at, at this point, you know, one of the family members is sick, so they're all just trying to help this guy and be supportive of him. So all of our best, too, on behalf of the Indianapolis Colts. I, I, mean, I know we're all pulling for Antonio Brown, and, and hopefully this is something that, you know, like Lara said, I don't care if we see him on the field again. We all hope he gets some help. Because just recently we have situations like with Vincent Jackson when, you know, that was a tragic <laughs> loss of someone who is very well respected, and I know someone who Frank Reich loved when they shared time, you know, previously in the NFL, yeah. and uh, that tragic loss and a lot of that now being tied to mental health issues and, and some of the trauma that he sustained. So I hope that we are taking, like, a very strong look 
at exactly how, you know, we are providing those resources and things like Kicking the Stigma obviously do such a great job of helping raise awareness and providing those resources to direct no people doubt. when they are struggling. No doubt. Well done, Ursay family. Casey Vallier is joining us. We're kind of surfing around the NFL a little bit. Casey, I want you to break down a little bit of playoff scenario on the other side of the uh, the football universe and the NFC and AFC for that matter. What do we got? We saw Pittsburgh, what they did. They're holding on by a thread. Big Ben over there at Heinz Field got a victory. Not a lot of yards thrown, but uh, you know his final W in Pittsburgh. That was nice to see. It was. It was kind of a cool send-off. I know I've, I've seen a lot of people kind of looking at it as like the Cal Ripken send-off. It was kind of cool for, for Big Ben. I know nobody was saying that it was his final game, but I think it's already you know presumed that that is it. And as you mentioned, they're hanging on by a thread, and that thread is very, very fine. Um, I don't think the Steelers have a realistic chance to get in. Casey! Ultimately, ultimately they, they need the Colts to lose, and, and I just don't see the Colts losing to the Jags. Good and point, Casey. Once the Colts win that game, <laughs> the Steelers' chances are Goodbye! The, the other teams that you're really looking for see, it's, it's just you know down to the Chargers and Raiders, and they, they play, which for the NFL, it's perfect for Sunday night football to kind of promote a game that's literally winning you're in. So the Colts take care of business on the, against the Jags. They're the sixth seed, and the winner between the Chargers and Raiders, they get that seventh seed. It looks like the Tennessee, if Tennessee wins, they'll be the number one seed, then the Chiefs will kind of slide in at two. So it looks like the Colts will be taking that trip just a little to the east, taking on Cincinnati when the playoffs roll around. So, Well, we're honestly, due for one because oof. we didn't play them in the preseason as the exactly. annual week four preseason matchup that I so look forward to when you know I go over and get my Skyline Chili, chili and my <laughs> Montgomery Inn barbecue. I want to throw out some playoff seeding scenarios to you, Casey, and, and you tell me which of these is the most likely. Because I, I spent all morning on the ESPN. Who are you, Nick machine. Sirianni, with your seeds and your roots and your sprouts and your flowering? I wish I were Nick Sirianni. I'd be the coach of a playoff team. That would That's be true. great, Larry. Good work. Good work, Nick, by the way. That's awesome. So, all right, Casey, you tell me which of these scenarios is the most likely to happen. This is with the Colts winning. The Patriots, Bills, and Raiders win. The Patriots, Jets, and Raiders win. The Patriots, Jets, and Chargers win. The Patriots, Bills, and Chargers win. So we're going to start with those four. So you got Patriots, Bills, Raiders, Patriots, Jets, Raiders, (laughs) Patriots, Jets, Chargers, or Patriots, Bills, Chargers. What do you got? I think the last. Patriots, Bills, Chargers. All right. If that happens, the Colts are the number six seed. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm going to give you ones with the Dolphins winning. Okay, there you go. Here we go. Dolphins, Bills, Raiders. Dolphins, Jets, Raiders. Dolphins, Jets, Chargers. Dolphins, Bills, Chargers. JJ sounds like me reading the uh, reading the eye chart at the at the optometrist <laughs> office. Like dolphins, bills, chargers. Is that a uh, bear uh, <laughs> or a squirrel? Um, Bingo. Because I don't see the Raiders beating the Chargers, and I don't find any way that that the Jets beat the Bills. <laughs> okay. okay, so the latter of those, the Dolphins, Bills, Chargers, the Colts would be the number five seed if that okay. happens. Oh, I love this game. I do like. <laughs> And you gotta Ooh, think. Wait, if, so we're the, the five. Way, if Colts are the five, where would that send us? That's, that's uh, we could go. Li- so this is the crazy thing. We could play 
the Chiefs, Titans, Bengals, Bills, or Patriots on wildcard weekend? <laughs> it's up in the air. Oh, there you go. We my. don't know. But we just here. Here's the thing. None of it matters if you don't win Sunday. Really, I mean. Well, no, uh, 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 not necessarily almost, true. <laughs> almost, Lara, because if the Colts lose to the Jaguars, and I'm going to read the eye chart here, the Dolphins beat the Patriots, the Raiders beat the Chargers, and the Ravens beat the Steelers. The Colts are the number seven yep. seed. Wow. Oh, but then you would have to play going the to Chiefs. KC, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or wow. the Titans. You know. Could oh, be the Titans. Could that's be the Bengals. Um, Still could be the, question you know. Yeah. What's the best case scenario for the Colts? I want to go kick someone's play? ass up in New England in the wild card weekend okay. if it's possible. Oh, How about that? You want to go to Foxborough Why in not? January? You know what? Throw them up there and say, hey, either that or Cincinnati. Because that would that'd be a fun one. I'm not saying. I'm, I'm, I'm not calling. I'm not calling that win. But I'll just tell you, every football expert out there loves this team. And wouldn't it be great if you know we went down there and said, okay, veteran quarterback Carson Wentz, running game Jonathan Taylor, sorry in the jungle, mm-hmm. you guys got hit in the mouth. Yeah, I, yeah, I like that one too. Yeah. Would give, it's yeah. hard to beat a team three times in a season, so for no other reason than that, I'll say Tennessee. Oh, I, oh, like I would. I like, I like that. that. Good I'm call. Like, Good well, call. here's the thing, too. I like the drivable locations just on <laughs> behalf of like Colts fans to be able to yeah. either go to Nashville yeah. or go to Cincinnati. So selfishly, like I want a whole lot of blue wherever we go. I want Colts blue because these fans, the past few games at Lucas Oil Stadium, have been in incredible yeah, and they've great. traveled well i mean some of yeah, the games State on Park the Stadium, road yeah. well and even the arizona game i mean it Good was travel. awesome seeing great how many travel. how many colts fans showed up there i know a lot of people made it like their christmas gift as a family you saw people leaving um indianapolis flying on that southwest direct flight out yeah. to phoenix um on christmas day to make the trip but i, I kind of think that for colts fans yeah i would love it to be somewhere like a cincy or a nashville because hey you remember how wild the conditions were when the Colts played at Kansas City a couple years ago. There was Ooh. that crazy snowstorm. It grounded Remember flights. It well. There were you know people who couldn't get out. They were stuck on the interstate trying to get to KC. So, yeah. I, I, I like. I also like JJ's point about it's hard to beat a team three times. That Good is point, JJ. A, hey, astute by you. Hey, Casey Valier is with us, and I just want to say before we get off this podcast, Casey does a hell of a job on our radio network. Obviously, on game days, he's a studio host on that. And that's where my, my last question to you goes, Case, is like, you're in there kind of commander of the radio ship, throwing up to Matt Taylor, uh, Venturi, Lara Overton, obviously for the game, and you help out with the post game and stuff. Do you ever go see the Colts live and in person as an employee of this club? I do not. And that's it, some... It's so funny. I, I tell people what I do, and they're like, oh, that's got to be awesome. Go to every game. I'm like, oh, I've never seen him play. <laughs> it's not something. Never seen him play in person. He's the, wizard. He's the wizard on the board. He covers and, the threes and, and know, fours. Here's a little inside radio. It's hard for me where I sit because I'm watching the TV like people at home, but when I'm listening to the radio, I hear it seven seconds before anybody that's hearing it uh, over the airwaves. Mm-hmm. So I get I get to hear what happens, and then I watch what happens. And all day what we're trying to do, as you guys know, you've been in the studio before, we've got our network engineer, Jeff Dinsmore, constantly is coming in and out because he's watching, and he's trying to make sure that what he hears through the radio syncs up to the TV. So he's keep coming back to delay it more and more to however it needs to be so that it's as live as possible so it syncs up radio to TV. So there's times that I'm hearing stuff 12 seconds. Like there's some of the nationally televised games, they travel through different satellites all over the place. Mm-hmm. There's times that I'm hearing stuff 
10 to 12 seconds before people at home are hearing it and watching it on the TV, it's really difficult. Well, but you do a nice job out there, Case. For yeah, you do a nice job on there. Catch him out on well, pregame. Thanks. It's coming up. And obviously, he does a lot of work with us behind the scenes on this podcast, and he's on this podcast here and there. So we love Casey Valia. He is our utility guy. Guys, I had a fun time. Thanks to Ashlyn R. Sullivan on Twitter. That's Ashlyn Sullivan. She's a uh, reporter and a TV host and a host of everything down there covering the Jaguars. Colts will uh, kick that one off at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. So for J.J. Stankovitz, Miss Lara Overton, and Casey Valier, and thanks again to Ashlyn Sullivan, this is the Colts official podcast presented by our friends at WinBet. We've got playoffs right around the corner. But first, we take care of business in Jacksonville. We'll talk to you next week.